welcome back to the Bakesh Podcast. My name is Don. Who are you? I don't know. You told me I wasn't allowed to talk until uh, you said something. Yeah, you can talk now. Okay, I can talk now. Who are you? Right. Wait a second. What's going on? So who? Oh, I'm having technical... Are we recording? Good. So who are you? Yes, we are recording. That's such a deep question. Who am I? Who are you? Who? Is that Caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland? Okay. Oh yeah, you really? I feel like I have to like be all weird and be like, "Well, who am I?" That's that's such a a deep deep question. Inside myself to find out I am guts and bones. Yeah, I was gonna say that's kind of awkward to look deep inside yourself, especially if you're in like the intestines. I know. Ooh, ooh. Have you ever pooped for the day? Oh, that's now you're getting kind of. On today's medical podcast, (laughs) we're going to talk about how the digestive system works. Hold on, let me bring up WebMD. (laughs) WebMD. That's if you have a problem. That's if you have lupus and a problem. Okay, right. What was I looking the other day? So (laughs) why were you? Don't go to WebMD. No, I accidentally went across WebMD for something. It was like I was I was looking for some like condition that I don't remember what it was. And somehow it led me to this, and it's not even a condition that it's it, that's an issue anymore. And it, it was bringing me all these uh, like polio or something. Yeah, it was something crazy. It wasn't even that like I'd never heard of it. That's why I was oh. looking it up, and I'd read it, the and I was like, "What plague. is this?" And it's like, "It is a disease that it was, died out in 1735." <laughs> here's the symptoms. Here's the cure. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Leeches? What? No, <laughs> I don't know." <laughs> That's, so yeah. apparently WebMD has it all. I, I did ask one doctor one time. I was like, hey, what do you think about everybody doing the WebMD and going on there and you know trying to diagnose themselves before they come in and see you and stuff like that? And he was all like, oh, yeah, man, I love it. it at least it gives them like a place to start and it helps them to be honest and stuff like that. I asked a different doctor. At a, I was uh, at a... We had these little health clinics here, like mm-hmm. in grocery stores. I asked that. Uh, she was technically a, what's the nurse? Practitioner? Oh, yeah, nurse practitioner. Yeah, and she was like, I hate it. She's like, you'd be surprised when people come in here and tell me they think they have. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't have that. You you have a cold. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but So I've, I've heard it both ways. So I guess, like, do your homework, but find out from your doctor <laughs> if you should tell them you did your homework. Like, so kind of thing. I have. Oh, sorry, that was my phone. Oh, I heard that in the headphone, so the users definitely have... Okay. The listeners, users, I'm still at work. So you heard my... Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. My uh, text message. Yes. Did you know they actually have, like, a Dr. Google? At least that's what I call it. So, like, I was in, in the doctor's office one time, and, and I asked a question, and, and I found out that... I don't know, maybe I should be careful not to slam doc- doctors. Um, so... No, no, we probably mostly have PhDs that listen to okay. us. <laughs> There's that one medical doctor out there, I'm here. <laughs> but, uh, and, and so, like, I was in there, and I was asking a question. And oh, and the PhDs listen to make fun of us. So right, you know. okay, that's fair. <laughs> as long as we're already being made fun of. Yeah. So, yeah. so I went in there, and, and, and I asked a question. I was like, okay, well, what kind of foods would be good in order to, to deal with this? Because it, it's a kidney stone, and... And so they're like, well, here's the medication. I was like, I don't want a medication. I was like, can it be fixed with food? And he's like, yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I was like, okay, so what do you need? And then he's like, he started looking at his cell phone and started looking up different things. He's like, here, well, here's the different things you can do, the different medications, the different types of food you can eat. And I was like, is that a Dr. Google? And he's like, no, I'm a professional. And so I actually... <laughs> it's <was> Bing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now I definitely know it's not professional. They went bing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Dr. Yahoo. <laughs> so, so I had a friend I had a friend who's a doctor, and I said, okay, I've got a question. Is there really a Dr. Google? Do you have like a special you know, doctor site that you can go to? He's like, yep. He's like, we don't call it Dr. Google. I was like, I'm going to call it Dr. Google. <laughs> when my kids like ask me something I don't know, I, I'll usually go to them like, hey, it's time to ask the great Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's... Well, they actually have a lawyer Google, too. Uh, that they do have a lawyer Google. I feel like you need one. I, I would think to so, think so too. Uh, now, in the great state of Ohio, where we are broadcasting live—no, wait, not live—where we're broadcasting from, live uh, weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> our uh, laws are really well done up online. Like it's really easy to research our law. Okay. Where I know, like some like states, it's a little more difficult or non-existent. Because um, I, I was looking up. As somebody who's been chased down by dogs many times, <laughs> I was trying to find out like what legal recourse I could take. Should he be able to sue the dog? <laughs> well, it was, mo- it, was a, it was more about. Um, so I'm a I'm a runner. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that here before. I run like probably three or four days a week, um, and, and a lot of times I run. There's animals that don't happen to be on leashes, and I have wondered like, okay, what am I legally allowed to do? If I confront a dog, like, am I like, is pepper spray permissible in Ohio? Do I have to have any kind of permit? You know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, which, if you're in Ohio, you can carry pepper spray and any other non lethal uh, self defense items. Um, get a lawyer just in case they <laughs> it. Uh, it, and that includes like tasers, stun guns, cattle prods. They have like electric cattle prods. I looked into one, they're about a hundred really? bucks. I was like, that'd be so awesome. Like, dog comes up and you're just like okay that would be kind of fun but um so i was like trying to find out dog law dog law in ohio and they take it down and then they send you to your county and then your county will send you to the city wow so So like for instance in ohio we have concealed carry so you can carry a gun in ohio right Mm -hmm. and unconcealed carry yeah, we're actually an open carry state mm-hmm. as well. So while running, I could technically have a gun. However, if the uh, animal is not actually threatening you, you cannot discharge the weapon inside city limits. Okay. So if you, you can't just be like, oh, my gosh, there's a dog in the road. I'm afraid of it, and shoot it. Okay. It, you know, kind of thing. However... You can say, oh, there's a dog in the road. I'm afraid of it, and cattle prod it. Prod it. Yes. Okay. Or pepper spray it or whatever you happen to have. Because... A dog is required to be restrained at all times, even if it's an offense in the yard. Really? Yes. You're technically Wait. not, in Ohio, you're technically not allowed to let your dog run free in your backyard. It is supposed to be restrained somehow by a leash or a chain. Even if it's fenced? Even if it's fenced. I did not and know that. if I'm running next to a fence, like, uh-huh. you, know, that, you guys didn't see me do my running pose. Yeah, he did a little running pose. Yeah. And the dog, there's a dog running next to the fence, and it's barking and jumping, and I feel threatened by it, I can pepper spray it. Really? And I only know that because Ohio puts their laws very clearly on the web. That is very interesting. However, having a search for a Google <coughs> for lawyers would make complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. So. Did you know? So, so I, f- <laughs> I found this out the other day. Welcome to Legal Talk with Don and Scott. <laughs> Sorry, go on. We know nothing. Yeah. So there's, okay, so like, <laughs> what are those? So if you have like 10 salvage, ti- ten, ten salvage tires um, in the back of your car, that's a felony. Really? Uh huh. So, like, if you, if you if have you're nine, driving around and picking up yeah. tires. Yes. If you have nine, you're fine. But if you have ten, what's the? Why is it a felony? What do they think you're going to do? Like, start I, a tire I fire? I think like, people were like disposing of them improperly or something like that. But but if you have ten of them, 
then you it, it is a mandatory felony. It's not even one that you can get off of. What? It is a mandatory felony. And then even huh. if you don't know the law, apparently ignorance of the law doesn't mean anything. So ignorance of the law means you're still screwed. Your brother's a lawyer, right? I plead the fifth. <laughs> well, if your brother was a lawyer, <laughs> you should ask him. You know, after this podcast, you're going to tell me why you found this out. But okay. We're today. We, we, we are having a family discussion, and that's how I found out. <laughs> today, we got to talk about a different law. Right. <laughs> the and law that's written on our hearts. Ooh, oh, yes. That is transition genius. Yes. All right. The law that David meditates on day and night. <laughs> the law. I got nothing else. All right. All right. I am impressed. That was, that was good. That was our best transition from banter to <laughs> not so banter we've we, had. We have straight peaked. Straight peaked. This it's all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Long time listeners, thanks. You have hit the mountaintop. <laughs> so hey, what do you what do we got today, man? All right. Do, so last week we found out that um, although you do some kind of cool little work. Um, to show that you are, are a prophet or a dreamer, that doesn't necessarily mean you are if you don't match up with God's word. Um, and so if, if you are bringing something up that, that could potentially leave you away from God, um, even if you do some, some sign or wonder, um, if it's going against God or trying to lead you to worship other gods, then you will be put to death. Yes. No, wait. <laughs> so then we had this great transition where you're like, okay, fine. You know, so you're a prophet. You say you're a prophet. You know, I get that. Fine. You're trying to lead people away from God. We're going to give you death. So then the question is, well, what if it's a family member? And that's where we left off. We didn't, haven't read that part yet, but that's where we're going to start off today is, okay, you got a family member that's trying to lead you away from God or get you to worship other gods. What next and how do you deal with it? Bum, yeah. bum, bum. So we'll start 13, 6, and I think 11 is kind of where that section goes. So we'll start with 6 through 11, and we'll see if we are if we have diarrhea of the mouth right. or if we're concise and we go farther than that today. Sounds good. All so right. go for it. All right, so chapter 13 of Deuteronomy, verse 6 through 11. If your brother, the son of your mother, or your brother, or your son, or your daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your friend who is who is as your own soul entices you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, some of the gods of the peoples who are around you, whether near you or far off from you. From the one end of the earth to the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall you I shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him." Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and all Israel shall hear and fear and never again do any such wickedness as this among you. Ooh. So... Uh, I'm guessing timeout wasn't an option. Probably not. Or creative punishment. No. Hmm. It's pretty much what death. But I bet they would never do it again. Well, <laughs> I guess they're dead. <laughs> but I wonder if any other people would try and go ahead and do that again. I was um, uh, saw an article, saw the headline, did not read the article. Um, so I don't know if there's like a twist or if it's, you know, some kind of clickbait. But um Punishments for thieves are so brutal in Singapore 
that they have like such an incredibly low crime rates that according to the title of the article, many shopkeepers don't even lock up their stores when they leave for the night. Wow. Because the example is made that you're going to get, you know, such a brutal punishment for stealing and there's so much dishonor brought on you because of that. And, you know, I'm making a lot of those, a lot of that's conjecture is what I'm assuming because I, I do know about like Singapore, like if you litter, you get caned, which is they take Ooh. a stick and beat the living snot out of you for a certain amount of lashes or strokes. Um, so I can imagine that stealing is probably more so than litter. But I wonder though, if we genuinely had harsher laws, um, or harsher punishments for laws, um, or, or punishments or consequences that, that were a little bit more severe than like a slap on the wrist or, or a little bit of money or whatever, if maybe we would see less crime, or, or if people would choose to do, I mean, choose not to, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd wonder, to, it'd be interesting to see like crime rates in, you know, maybe a death penalty state versus a non-death penalty state. Mm-hmm. I can't talk. Um, and kind of, compare per capita to see if maybe that's a bigger deterrent or if it's, you know, not a deterrent at all. We'll see in most states, though, like, you can still be on death row for, like, most of your life. And so then you're, like, 70 years old and, right, I'm ready to die anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, at that point, it's like, well, you know, it's like if you give a punishment to your kid two weeks after they do something, it's it's pointless. I mean, right. what what are they learning from something that they did two weeks ago? They probably don't even remember what what it is that they did. So I mean, if you're getting the death penalty, thirty years after you got the death penalty, then well, I guess you wouldn't make that connection. But but would other people <laughs> even make that connection? Yeah, yes, you know, what I did was wrong. <laughs> I should never do it again. Thirty years ago, um, I would wonder. Also, um, we kind of bogged down like with bureaucracy, a lot of what a cop can and can't do, and mm-hmm. some with good reason, right. because there's a potential for abuse of power and stuff like that. But, uh, y- you know, it's like if you pull over a guy and he's got a certain amount of like illegal narcotics on him mm-hmm. and it's a misdemeanor, you might be more apt to be like, just let him go because of the paperwork. And now you got to put that in evidence. And you mm-hmm. got, you know, there's so much... You know, and there's 45 minutes of work attached to a 10-minute traffic stop. Right. So because of that bureaucracy, you're going to say, whatever. And that person's going to know, well, my chances of actually getting a misdemeanor or maybe even like a low-level felony like goes way down. Well, I think even I think even with the drug problems we're having, I mean, some of the people that are in these drug the, these drug issues. I mean, if you say you're going to go to drug rehab, like they'll minimize the sentence and let you go, and that. So, I mean, I think you can actually legitimately get more of a a punishment for having ten salvage tire ti- <laughs> tires in your car Ooh, back to than you segues. can than you can for for drug issues. Yeah. Um, At least right now. Right. Yeah. Like you said, right. we have a the heroin epidemic and stuff like that, which is actually right. I haven't heard as much about it. So either we've become numb to it or we're doing better right i, I don't mm. know i don't know i'm sure we'll probably hear it more there's a governor race coming up so oh gosh yeah <laughs> yeah the primaries in ohio were yesterday and uh somebody may have voted about the gerrymandering issue and it passed <laughs> someone may not have gone to the voting place at all uh, there, there's one issue not to bore you dear listener um where it would basically make it illegal for uh gerrymandering in ohio really there, there has to come to a bipartisan consensus, and there has to be input from 
the people. Okay. Basically, before they redraw district lines for voting for wow. congressional districts. And yesterday it passed overwhelmingly. Wow. And that was outside of like the primaries, which I don't really care about. Right. I love listening to like the conservatives complain about who's more or less conservative. Okay. Uh, I'm tougher on sanctuary cities. (laughs) I voted against Obamacare. My opponent voted against it as well. But his tie is blue. You know, it's like so ridiculous. See, I figured I could listen to that or I could listen to our podcast. And yeah, actually, I really don't listen to our podcast. I just I'm afraid. What? I'm afraid to hear my voice. Oh, no, it's not that bad. I hear your voice right now. Okay, is it bad? <laughs> so you got a deeper voice, so oh, yours, yours comes through better. But Okay. okay. Let's All go, right. Let's sorry. go back to We yeah. had a lot of... What on earth happened there? So anyway, so the, harsh the, punishments. So yeah, the one thing that you should get out of this is there is a harsh punishment, and it could be a deterrent. Right. But is there more to this section, Scott? So what do you think? What do you got here? Um, I found that a lot of what I was... I, I tried to do it the old-fashioned way. I okay. was trying to read it kind of take my own notes before going into the commentary about it. Because I felt like over the last couple of weeks, I've really relied on the commentary mm. to kind of lead me through. And I figured out there's a reason why I've relied on the commentary. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not that smart. Yeah. No, um, I think that one of the things that really kind of was shining through to me was um, emotions can lie to you mm-hmm. and emotions can cause you to cover up sin. Okay. And what this is doing, what Moses is doing here is saying, Hey, don't let your emotions cloud a verdict. that could be very emotional. Okay. So there's very much like a, a, Hey, if it's your, you know, I mean, there's some legit relationship examples here. And, and I, I've come to the conclusion on my own also that this is not like an exhaustive list. Right. But, you know, it's like, oh, well, he didn't mention, you know, my third uncle twice removed. You know, he's basically saying like your close family. And he uses some very close relations, your brother, the son of your mother, um, which is the same thing, you know, for the most part, or your personal son, your daughter, or the wife you embrace. And actually the Hebrew there is like the wife that you hold close to your chest. So basically, you know, I don't know if that was like a polygamy, you know, like your favorite wife, or if it was just a, you know, the the one you care about so deeply. I, I imagine it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> or uh, who your, uh, your, your great friend who we've seen in scripture, like your great friends are very valuable pieces. So, you know, your David and Jonathan friend, <coughs> um, Jesus and Peter and John and James friend, like those personal, super close relationships. Like if they're sinning against God, if they're in also trying to lead you against God, you got to be really careful not to let your emotions get into play. And it seems very cold. I mean, it's like, you know, you're throwing stones at them. Um, but in reality, even that relationship is not as important as a relationship that you have with the one true God. Mm-hmm. So make sure you check what's the most important and don't let that closeness, and that emotion cloud you from making a, a sound decision. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of what I pulled out. <coughs> so uh, going so sans commentary. So, so I had a conversation, I've had a conversations with people and, and, and sometimes I think one of the most frequent things that I hear is yes, I'm a Christian and I believe in God um, but I can't believe in a God that would allow that to happen, or I can't. I struggle with with worshiping a God that says that I have to do this or follow this command, 
And so I'm not going to follow this command, but I still love Jesus. Mm. And, and I think through that, I'm like, no, then you don't. Like, really. And, and my thinking through that is this. If you genuinely believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, he took your punishment of death and took it on himself, would you not be willing to do anything for a God that is willing to send his son to die, slash die for you on the cross for your sin, would you not be willing to do anything, even if that doesn't necessarily, even if that goes um, against your own thinking and your own desires? And I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, I mean, I would owe him everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I genuinely think that Jesus died for me, why would I not be willing to do anything for him? And I think that this passage is, is pretty similar because, you know, he's saying, you know, you should not spare him, you should not conceal him, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it goes on in verse 10. You shall stone him to death with stones because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And I, I looked at that, I was like, well, that's the same thing. Yeah, that's like, a parallel between... Jesus and, and the Old yeah. Testament. I mean, they would go, well, this is the God that rescued us from slavery. They, he rescued us from Egypt with great wonders. And why, I mean, then that means that I need to do whatever he asks me to do. And I was like, well, if I'm thinking New Testament parallel, or I'm thinking my, my own life, well, then I'm thinking of a God that sent his son to die for me on the cross for my sins. Well, that's the God that this family member, this close friend, is trying to pull me away from. Now, I don't think I'd get away with killing him nowadays. I'm sure that in, in the Ohio law, there's probably something in there about... About stoning uh, your wife because right. she led you away from God. Yeah, that might get you a little but, bit. <laughs> but I, as I thought about that, I was like, you know... I've heard this conversation so many times, and and the one that comes to mind, and, and hopefully I don't make too many people matter, or maybe I just don't care, um, is is one of the, those conversations is someone said, well, I believe in Jesus, and I believe we need to obey his commands, um, but I have a homosexual uncle, and um, you know he needs to love who he needs to love, and I just can't believe that God would tell him that he can't love whoever he wants. So I'm just going to choose to go ahead and believe that this is okay. And, and you recited James 4, 4 to them? No, I didn't. I just said, well, <laughs> if you genuinely believe in a God that died on the cross for your sins, how can you choose to be disobedient and not do whatever he asks you to do? Otherwise, are you genuinely grateful for a God who loves you that much? But what is James 4 for? I'm curious. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's not something you should probably quote. <laughs> <laughs> is that what uh, you're a, reading? A, no. Um, so just a lot of this is reminding me of this. Uh, James chapter 4, uh, there's a lot of like warning against, excuse me, I got that cough again. <clears throat> a lot of warning against like worldliness and so on and so forth. Uh, James 4, 4 says, you adulterous people, uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Um Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And that's basically what you're saying a lot of people are choosing. They're mm -hmm. choosing, in this case, uh, friendship, not just with people that would lead them astray, but friendship with uh, the, the world in this case. So whatever is... The, wait, 
oh, you're in the gal. I was like, wait, is mine red letter? No, oh, no. I was like, wait, I'm in James. There would be no red letter. Um, you ever? I didn't realize this was a red letter Bible. And we're trusting him. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> um, my my, this is probably the first red letter Bible I've owned in years, but I've only read the whole text <laughs> out of it. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, James four that does talk about, um, like I said, that worldliness and uh, being friends with it, and what you're doing here is you're saying, hey. There is something created in this world that I find more important than what I, you know, what is actually uh, true. And that's, you know, or, or then let me rephrase that. Got, I'll edit it out later. You are choosing the friendships and the kinships of the world over the relationship with God. You're, you're saying, I choose to trust in this as opposed to trusting in God. Mm-hmm. And God's saying, and what you're saying is, uh, well, that really can't be. Mm-hmm. Your your friend. I said your emotions, but you also say friends, family, and other people can be wrong, mm-hmm. and it can lead you down a path of a lot of hurt. Oh yeah. So did you have? Well, yeah. So um, I'm a high school teacher. So we we had, I teach history, and so within those history classes. Um, we get into, you know, I, I'm not as much of in 1933, you know, on January 5th or whatever, you, you know, yourself here's history teacher. But, you I know, wish I would have had you. <laughs> I, I, I'm less concerned about those, but more concerned about the concepts and the things and the actions and the interactions that people had during that time period. And so I teach my class from the perspective of um, here are the, the concepts, here's the ideas, here's the thought processes of people during these different time periods. And so with that, we have different seminar pieces. So we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll read. Um, I'll make them read a couple pages of something. And, you know, if it's longer, they're like, Mr. Sulek, this is 6,000 pages. <laughs> it's like, no, no, 5,999. Yeah. Um, it's a short book. You'll be fine. <laughs> and, you know, so, the, so we'll read it. And then the idea is for them to come and we have a seminar. We just have a discussion. So I don't talk, but they, they, they do all the talking. And, and so, you know, they, they slowly dialogue and try and figure out, well, what, what's going on here and, and things like that. And, and for the fun of it, sometimes I'll pose different questions to get them thinking from a different perspective. And, and it's interesting because many times you, you can pose questions about family. And as soon as you mention a family member, a mom, a, a, a mom, a brother, a sister, a close friend, their perspective changes. Um, the things that they're willing to do are much more shady or much more <laughs> iffy when a family member is involved than if a family member isn't involved. And I think this is part of the, the idea that, that Moses is getting trying to get across right here is our emotions or our friendships or our relationships sometimes pull us in, in, in a different direction. Um, the problem is, is when it starts pulling us away from God, that, that it really becomes a huge issue and a huge problem. And I was doing a little bit of research this week, and, and one of the things that, that kept coming up was... Um, that loving a family member, especially parents, was one of the highest duties in Judaism. Um, the, only, the only one who could rightfully demand greater love w- would be God himself. So even in an Old Testament time period, the, the role of a parent and the relationship of a family member was the most important thing right underneath God. Mm. Um, and, and I think what we're, we're partially seeing here is, is the, the reality of that is, is right underneath God. And, and so, um, you know, as I was doing some reading and, and looking, you know, at some of this, um, so some New Testament verses were brought up. 
um, where Jesus actually addresses this very same issue or deals with, with very similar issues. Oh, I, um, I think I know where you're going. Okay. <laughs> so one of them is in Deuteronomy 10. Um, uh, you mean Matthew 10? Or, I'm sorry, yes, Matthew <laughs> 10, sorry. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. And it says, So do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves, so verse 37, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will will find it. Um, While painting that in light of Deuteronomy does seem to make a lot more... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm like gumption... (laughs) You know, it, it packs a yeah. lot more behind it. Absolutely, absolutely. What, momentum? No, I don't know. And there's a couple more. So it was Matthew 12, 46 through 50. So if you're driving, um, <laughs> Scroll turn your down your... <laughs> um, yeah, open up your Bibles and, and start turning. And so Matthew 12, 46 through 50. I'm just imagining, this is my dream. There's somebody pulling over to the side of the road right now and opening their Bible. That would be sweet. Safely. Unfortunately, I drive down the road and see people playing on their cell phones all the time. Like, I'm in, like, rush hour traffic, and I'm like, what? Or people are swerving over. Oh, yeah. I, I saw a lady who was, like, holding her phone to do a conversation in one hand. So she's like speaking into the phone, like holding it. I'm like, okay, mm. all right, I'm cool with that. However, with her other hand, she was putting on makeup while looking at the, <laughs> the mirror on her visor. I'm like, hold up. <laughs> yeah, like that's not better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're looking in a mirror, not even at the road. <laughs> uh, good thing you're not texting. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but go on, Matt. Hey, I was gonna, don't get me into the texting part. <laughs> uh, we don't have that long of a podcast. We've already. Yeah, sorry. All right, we're going to have to put that next week's. Yeah. So Matthew 12, 46 or 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is your mother and who are your brothers? This is where I thought you were going initially. (laughs) And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Um, And then there's another one at Luke 14, 26. Let me quickly... Scott, take some good notes. (laughs) 14, 26... I'm Sorry. not going to go into Wright's commentary and see all these cross-references, am I? <laughs> um, actually, no, I I'm, don't I'm think man. so. I'm playing. Um, I got this great new resource this week, and so I was playing with that one a little bit. Ah. Um, so it is 14, chapter 14 in Luke, verse 26. Now, so Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own (laughs) life, he cannot be my disciple. I think that's the one I meant to go to first, but I have these just listed. No, that's the the other one. There's a couple um, of spots, and those two are the ones I I thought. Because that is such a tough... People bring that up. Uh They say, wait, I have to hate my my family in order to follow Jesus? Well, what does that mean, you know? And then yeah. that's hard because I mean I mean I'm thinking from my own daughter's perspective, even my own wife, and, and it's like, ooh, that that's that's harsh. Yeah, um, it, it's a matter it's it's a matter of like, hey, if my wife is trying to make me follow, you know, somebody besides the one true God, I've got some tough, tough decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, and here's the last one, 
Matthew 16, 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. <laughs> but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. So even our own friends That's are going friend, to... Yeah. Right. So we have multiple instances, I think, of where we see Jesus... I mean, really, he doesn't necessarily say, well, let's go back to Deuteronomy. <laughs> but I think the heart of some of these verses kind of fits um, as we really think about uh, about what's being said here. Because I think, you know, we can have people go, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't matter anymore. Well, well, there's just a bunch of verses right there of Jesus dealing with friends and family, um, rebuking his decisions when he's genuinely trying to follow his father being God. Um, and then other ones that specifically says, well, you, you might need to hate your family in order to love me. Now, and let's like add some clarity to this, because right oh, now yes, there's there's a cage stage Calvinist out there who's like, I have the right to go and make my family angry. No, you do not. Like, like the idea isn't to be such a jerk that people go against you or that people fight against you. The idea is that if you are following Christ and somebody is honestly trying to lead you astray. Mm -hmm. Now, you got to clarify even more. If you are a cessationist and somebody's <laughs> trying to tell you that they are a continuationist, that is not them trying to lead right. you astray. Mm -hmm. if, now, on the other hand, if, if you are a you know, believer in the Trinity and the, you, know, you believe that, you know, the Godhead is three in one and so on and so forth, this orthodox belief. And somebody is trying to tell you, no, there is no Trinitarian that like, you know, it's either a oneness thing or something else. That's a different story. Mm -hmm. And that could be where you get into more of an argument or, you know, if it comes down to somebody blatantly sinning, you use the, you know, like the, like my friend, uncle, father, brother, mother, yeah. whoever that was, you know, is trying to say, oh, no, 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 it's okay for homosexuality. It's completely 100% fine, and you're telling them no, and they're trying to lead you down that path to convince you that it is. You may have to, you know, separate from them at some point. I'm trying to tread this one lightly. Right. Because it's, it's a lot more nuanced than that, and there is a call for us to continue to love people, but we're not supposed to... Following them into sin is not loving them, is so, what I'm trying to say. So I guess question them. Um, so what does that look like? I mean, obviously, we're not supposed to stone people nowadays um, if they're trying to lead us away from, from God. Um, so, so that's not really something that it's okay in our culture. Um, and see our podcast on <laughs> the abolished the law or the <laughs> continuation of the law for more on why we don't stone our family members. But go on. But, but what does that look like? Then, then what are we supposed to do? I mean, how does this deal with our current context um, when it comes to, to a family member or someone you, you genuinely care about who is trying to lead you to, to worship other gods or lead you away from God? I mean, what, what is a proper response um, maybe that's within the church, maybe that's within a friendship or, or a relationship. What, what, what does that look like? I think there's a lot of stuff that ties into this. Um, so let's say that you're, uh, you know, under 18 and your parents are atheists and they're saying there's no God in this house. There's no Bible in this house. No, we don't go to church or whatever happens to be. They're not going to, you know, allow you while you're under their roof to you know, participate. Um, there, there's a 
place where you you have to at some level obey your parents but there's also i believe at this level even when you're under 18 where there's a bit of a disobedience that will happen because you got to be more obedient to god and i think that you know being very conversational with your parents hopefully it's not an abusive relationship but and saying hey you know this is a choice that i'm you know i i want to follow jesus and you're trying to hinder that and you're not respecting me at this point and having that conversation with parents is very very important um and then continuing to pray uh if you know they're trying to you know throw your bible in the trash or trying to keep one from entering the house uh, that's maybe where you start memorizing scripture or you, you know, you get that app on your phone. And yeah, I'd go as far as to say sneak that Bible under your bed, you know, or whatever you have to do. Um, if you're over 18, it's a different story. I think that's where you may need to consider moving out of your house. Um, yeah, you you may be called to be a witness, quote unquote, to your parents to where you're going to live a godly life. But I think at some point you may have to leave that situation and you're not bound to stay there by any law, especially if it's once again, like kind of turned more abusive or they've gotten more hostile towards you. Um, I think if it could also be something like maybe you're an adult and you believe you're called to be a missionary and you know, you're maybe still living at home for whatever reason. That's the point where you may have to leave and go be a missionary and leave and just say, I'm sorry, family, this is what I'm called to do. And you might not have contact with them for a while. Now, when it comes into the context of marriage, things get more difficult when you have one believer and one non-believer. But I believe that the calling above all else is to be a good husband to your wife. And I think you have to stick it out and you have to stick with them and you have to continue to pray for them and love them and show them what Jesus has done in your life and how he has rescued you and how he has saved you and how that is a good thing and continue to pray that the Holy Spirit will move on their heart mm-hmm. and save them. So I think there's like, a, I guess there's a lot of nuances. Yeah, if you're a kid under your parents' roof and they're vehement atheists, I'm like, yeah, sneak the Bible in. Memorize as much scripture as you can. Pray, pray for your parents. Try and have conversation with your parents. If you're the adult living at home, you're, you know, you return from college, whatever, you may have to consider different lifestyle depending on how your parents are reacting and how they'll talk to you and once again i don't think it's a persecution if your parents if you're an adult and your parents are like well we don't believe that we don't want that in the house um you know you just have to kind of work through that a little differently you might you know and i don't know i'm it's very hard well it's hard yeah because it's from i mean especially like if you're in a marriage and Mm -hmm you know, do you divorce them or get rid of them just because they're unbelievers? Or if you become a believer and you're still married. Okay, so I might have a stricter stance on marriage and divorce than many peers, and Mm -hmm. maybe even more so than some peers that are probably more like on the legalistic conservative side Mm -hmm. than I am. But I think that if you are married to a non-believer, I still think it's your duty and it's honoring to God to stick it out mm-hmm. and oh. to keep praying for them. Oh, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. However, Jesus, or actually, is it, is it Jesus or Paul? Jesus is the one who says, like, I hate divorce, but I know your sinful heart, so we've given divorce, and it's okay in these two circumstances. One is non-believing spouse, and the other is adulterous spouse, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think so. If not, feel free to email me and tell me I'm wrong. But uh, I th- my mind is blanked on yeah. it. So, uh, but I, 
I would argue that it's better to continue to pray and stick it out in that situation. And and I think <clears throat> so. And and I know somebody out there is like, but you don't understand. You're right. I don't. Right. I got a great right. blessing of a wife. Mm-hmm. And and and, and that, that that's a hard one. Again, I'm I'm more for not divorce than for divorce. Right. Um. And again, if there's some very very difficult situations where you're being beat brutally to the point of death every day. Or, or she's brought up, hey, we should sacrifice the firstborn to Molech. Right. <laughs> okay, that, that's definitely <laughs> that, that's a place a, to get out, yeah. Um, we'll pray, but we might have to pray from afar. Right, right. <laughs> but if, if it does come to an extreme situation like that, I still believe in praying for reconciliation as well. Oh, yeah. And, and I, don't, I just don't think that it should... I think it's too, too many times like we enter into marriage without being serious we enter into divorce too quickly yeah well unfortunately when there's there's way too many divorces both in the christian community and the non-christian community but there should be even less in the christian community um and i think we we find ways out much too quickly and we're we're in all honesty too self-absorbed um we we are still our own gods um and so yeah so unless we're unless we're happy and everything is great and wonderful and, and et cetera, et cetera, then that means we should get out of that relationship. And, yeah. and I, I think love's a little bit more difficult than that. I, I think it's much, many times it's much less of an emotion than, than we, this idea of falling in and out of love, I think is kind of ridiculous, but. Um, I'm in love and my tummy feels butterflies, so it's yeah. all good. No, but yeah, you're right. Cause there's, there's a labor that's going to go behind that. And I think that your loving of your spouse, despite their disbelief, can go a long way towards being used by God as a, an example of his love towards us. It, man, I'm about to just quote it up. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he did not win our hearts and die for us. He died for us and then rescued us. Mm-hmm. But I do think, though, I'm getting, I think you brought up some good points, um, um, and, and probably some difficult points in relationships to keep yeah. in mind. But, but I think part of what we can look at it is, is he's also talking to um, the gods, the, the community, the, the people of God. Um, so he's talking about a community of people um, currently in this situation. Are you spoiling the next verses or? No, I wasn't planning on it. Because the next verses talks, talks about more the cities, the community. Right, or which I wasn't planning on. Okay, okay, go where you were, okay. and I'll shut up. Okay, or tell me spoiler. to shut up if I'm no. going to spoil it. No, 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 it's not a big spoiler. Um, which they listen, they know. But, but I think there's that aspect of, of um, right here, and, and maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I am spoiling it, or maybe not. No, it's all good. But, but I think part of what what they're and I actually had written down. <laughs> obviously, I had the wrong verse because I went to that verse and <laughs> that it me. doesn't exist um, at all. <laughs> I was like. Wait, that chapter doesn't go that high. Oops. Wrong verse. Um, but I, I think we're partially seeing it from, you know, uh, allowing them to be removed from the community is, is a part, is, is, can be a good response. If you have people in your church um, oh, being yeah, close friends, yeah. close people that, that are trying to draw people away, even if that's your own wife and even if that's your kid, then maybe they need to be expelled from the community. Um, maybe it is time to push them on. Now, it doesn't mean to sever that relationship. Um, it doesn't mean to say, hey, good luck, sinner. Um, but but it, I think it is important to, to not have 
um, people that are, that are, are teaching those things within your, your, your church or within your community. Um, and I think it's a proper response, not necessarily to stone them, but to get rid of, to get rid of them out of the community. Because, I mean, back then, if you've got people in your community who, people who are close to you, um, who are trying to, to get people and turn people away from God or worship other gods, then part of the reason that they took that serious punishment of stoning is because that was a huge, huge problem for the for the community, for God's people. Um, almost, I think last week, do, do we say it was like almost like an act of pre- treason mm-hmm. um, towards towards their relationship with God. Um, so I think that we can, no matter how that relationship continues, where God, I mean, Jesus, and, and as we get into to, to Paul's letters and stuff like that, I mean, we're highly encouraged to get into the lives of sinners and, and to, to genuinely preach the gospel and let them know about Jesus. So to totally excommunicate from the, uh, them from our lives, I don't think is appropriate. But to, to remove them from your community or your congregation or the church really, I think, is a proper response um, to, to what's going on. And the verse that I had... Was Again. it expel the evildoer from among you? No, it was oh. the the part about leaven and a little leaven can. Oh, it spoils the yeah. Yeah, and I had First Corinthians five thirteen, which First Corinthians <laughs> five thirteen doesn't exist because it only goes up to First Corinthians like five, nine ish or something. Well, um, we, we actually so wait, you got a mark there? What's that? No, that's something different. Oh. Um, in our church, we did have one case of somebody that we, you know, we expelled, excommunicated from our congregation because of. Excuse me, again, I, frog. <coughs> because of repeated uh, infidelity in her marriage, and then she elected to leave her husband. And we said, "Well, you know what? You're not, you know, like your membership's revoked, basically." But however, we were charged as members at a members' meeting in front of you know all. She was brought up on the charges. She wasn't there, right, to to defend herself in any way, which in some ways is kind of like the admission of guilt. Right. But we were told, after we were told, like, what was going on, we were told to continue, that her husband was going to stick around, and we were to continue to love him. He was not in any kind of discipline mode mm-hmm. at that point. Right. And in addition, if we saw her in the community, we were not supposed to, like, shun her or turn our eyes away from her or, you know, obviously gossip or whatever. We were supposed to still love her and pray that she would come back to the community. Right. I mean, and that's that's probably the way a good church discipline would work out. I think to excommunicate somebody and then to say like, hey, you're out of the community, I'm not loving you anymore and all that kind of stuff and not praying for you or continuing to seek some kind of reconciliation can be very detrimental to our lives as Christians and to our communities as a whole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so anyway, I don't have anything else on that. Um, what, how, how's our time look? Do we have time to go on or we're running? We got about 15 minutes. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I don't have a lot of notes on this last section. So if you want to finish out to the end of the chapter, we could, and just be mindful of time. And okay. I don't think we'll be robbing anybody of, of anything huge. It, if we don't, it's a lot of verses, but it's, it's basically expanding the, the, circle here right oh, look so at you going out of that new testament back to the old <laughs> so we're <laughs> look my, my pages in the old testament are all crumpled yes, my new <laughs> testament are like whoo pretty all right so um 12 verse 12 of chapter 13 through the end um 
of chapter 13. If you hear in one of your cities which uh, the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain wor- uh, worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of the city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction. All who are in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword, you shall gather all its spoil into the midst of its open square and burn the city and all its spoil with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. None of the devoted things shall stick to your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you as he swore to your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments that I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. Boom. Drop the mic. Not, not yeah. ours because we can't afford another one. Right. Well, you know, right now we probably could. Okay, that's fair. As long as it doesn't go over 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jill, I got to spend 20 more dollars buying another microphone. What'd you do? I dropped the mic. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is taking the same command. So if, if you're now within a city where, that is being led astray, so if it's happening on a large scale in the community, uh, one of the big twists here is it's the city that God is giving them. So basically they're being gifted something from God himself. They're being provided for and they're going to basically turn around and slap God in the face and say, thanks for the city. Now we're going to go practice the, you know, the dark religions of the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. And God in turn is like, you have the same fate as the Canaanites then Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that's, you know, that's essentially... A, a summation of what's going on there. And, and if it sounds like God's being heartless here, he's actually not. Um, he actually <laughs> sets They have it, been warned. <laughs> well, he, he actually sets it up to be very mindful that, that people aren't always going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives them many opportunities, you know, in this where what to, he gives them the opportunity to inquire, to probe, to investigate. Um, I mean, I can't, I, it kind of shows that, that he, he genuinely desires truth and, and justice. Um, I, I mean, everything's supposed to be destroyed, and you're like, well, why destroy it? Well, it's not like people then can abuse that law and go, well, guess what they're doing? And then I they didn't think about that. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> they're like, you look know, at all my bling. Right. And then you're like, <laughs> look at everything I got. And then people just abuse that. And it's like, well, no. Right. If you destroy everything, you've got nothing to gain other than um, God's holiness, which is they call them to be holy and set apart. Well, I, I mean, that's the only thing that you're doing is saying, well, well this city or this community is, is pulling us away from God. We can't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, they, if everything is destroyed, then there's nothing to take with you. It's not like you're going to falsely accuse a city of one thing because you're like, well, what kind of spoils and money can I get out of this? And, and so really there's no economic benefit to, um, to, to, this, to accusing a city a, a, at all. So, I mean, he really does set it up where, okay, well, this sounds harsh, burn everything, burn it to the ground, et cetera. But but he's making sure that people don't lie and aren't dishonest so that you're not accused of something that you didn't do. I mean, what would be the motive of, of doing that to your own brother's city or your own you know, and, Israelite and it, or God's people's city, you know? And leave it to our sinful hearts to come up with an ulterior motive. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you're right. 
I mean, for the most part, there's no... I, I also took it as you're taking their objects of worship and their items and getting rid of those as well. So you're also removing the temptation mm-hmm. to say, hey, this, you know, little statue or this, I don't know, this tool or this instrument of Canaanite worship, that's pretty cool. It'd be mm-hmm. a really cool thing on my mantle. You know, it's kind of... Uh, I'm going to rail against Christians again. It's <laughs> kind of like when you go into your Christian brother's house and you see a Buddha sitting on their uh, their fireplace mantle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, that temptation to put something sinful in a place of honor isn't there. Right. It's re- it's removed and destroyed. So it, there's some grace among that as well. It's kind of kind of interesting both ways. Mm-hmm. One, like you said, no ulterior motive. Right. And two, you're you're not being given a item that can lead you astray as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as like, you know, putting the cattle to destruction, I think that falls more into yours than mine. But then again, who knows? <laughs> right. But so, so I don't know. I, so I thought it was kind of cool where, yes, he's bringing them to, to pure destruction. Um, I mean, he's definitely wanting to make sure that, I mean, in, in all of chapter 13, um, he really wants Israel to be distinct um, to be wholly exclusive and committed to, to Yahweh. Um, he is wanting them to worship no other gods. He doesn't want idols to get in the way. Um, and really the requests that are here are really for Israel or God's people's good. I mean, um, I, I don't think that any... Okay, so you know, maybe in today's day and age you might be like, well, you can't kill people. But, but I think clearing out of the sin and those that try and pull people away from God... I think is a fair request. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. When uh, I think, uh, in addition to that, removing the items and people from your life that cause you to sin can be a good thing as well, especially if you're a new Christian. And let, so let's say you have a lot of friends that are uh, drug addicts and you're doing drugs with them, mm-hmm. or a lot of friends who are drunkards and they're not listening to your plea right. to not go drink anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because you're changing and, you know, you've decided to honor God in that way to not, disobey his command and not be drunken. Um, removing those people from your life can be a good thing. Yep. Um, if you have, you know, I can't think of like, uh, no offense, video gamers. If you're idolizing video games, you're wasting seven hours a day on video games, you may have to remove that from your life. You might have to get it out. Oh, uh, uh, pornography. Maybe you're having a hard time with pornography. You might have to get rid of the computer or the tablet or whatever it is that you're using uh, so that you're honoring God. It's the same way. We're just, I mean, you probably could set your computer on fire. It'd be pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, or whatever. But, you, you know, you, the same idea. We got to remove people and things from our lives. It could be leading us into stumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, there's nuances to this. Right. Well, what, what is that verse in the New Testament? If, you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Yeah. What I mean, is, is that the same basic idea? Again, I'm... Well, that that's a more of a uh, yeah kind of, but it's a, it's a, it's saying take a serious step towards right. holiness. Mm-hmm. If you yeah, if your if your eye causes you to sin, then quit doing that. You, you mm-hmm. know, get rid of that because it's better to be down a an appendage or an organ than it is to be thrown into hell. Right. So and be serious about the removal of sin from your life. And and if you're sitting there going, well, all of these things in chapter thirteen are all focused towards leading you to other gods. Well, and in Bible school, they always said context, context, context. Well, 
back when, when Moses gave these speeches, he didn't say, all right, chapter 13, people, um, chapter 14. Yeah. So, so we're looking at it right before chapter 13 starts in our Bible. He just finishes in offering warning. He offers a warnings um, basically against idolatry. And he didn't say, all right, chapter 12 is over. Let's go to chapter 13. This was one continuous... Um, right. r- writing and speech that, that he's giving to Israel. Yeah, these and numbers so, were added a lot later. <laughs> yeah. So so when we're talking about these other gods, we, we can also be talking about these idols that fill our, our lives. Well, I mean, what kind of idols might slip into our churches or into our lives? Well, I think you mentioned pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what, homosexuality was one that we mentioned earlier with whatever. And, and unfortunately, in our churches nowadays, there's some going, well, tell you what, let's Sure, this is fine. Um, or, I mean... I, I'm going to get curmudgeonly. I, I think that we don't take the obsession with competition or sports seriously. Yeah. I think that's that's such an idol that we ignore. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, people don't go to church uh, the way they go to sporting events. Like, right. I mean, we don't worship that way. I, I've, used it, I've actually used it as a sermon illustration before as well. Um, and I think it's toned down a bit. Well, I, I, was, I was preaching one time and I was just like, hey, look, man. Some of you say we have no time to read our Bibles or like praying with our families hard because it's to get everybody on the same page. And you're the same people that spend two hours a week setting your fantasy football lineup. Mm-hmm. It's like you have time to read, you know, ESPN's take on what happened in that game. And, you know, every stat since 1964 or, well, or whatever. But you can't take time. Uh, what, what about you know, four? What about four? What about four hours on a Sunday to watch a football game? Like again, I'm I'm not, I'm not saying it against football, but at the no, same no, time, I had, like I had to, that's actually a place where I I had had a problem is I was finding I was wasting a lot of time on Sunday. You'd watch the one game you actually cared about, mm-hmm. then you'd watch the game that followed that because you didn't want to do anything else. You'd eat dinner, and then another game would be on, and before you know, it, you just dropped nine hours mm-hmm. on a day. And I was like, man, I'm wasting so mm-hmm. much time. My kids are like not in the room with me because they don't care. Right. Now I got one that does and I have to watch him to make sure he doesn't right. know, go crazy. But I mean that that's true stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that's, that's something I had in my life that I had to, you know, right. kind of cut off. And it was more out of like laziness. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't I didn't realize I was like going to that extreme until right. I was like this is I don't even like doing this. Why mm-hmm. am I doing this? But yep. And then well, and then you got numbers. I mean, how many churches go well, what are our numbers? Um, or oh, yeah. what about that building project? Um, or okay, injustice, self, money, etc. But one thing, as we get ready to close up, there, there's yeah. one thing that I thought CW said that was awesome. He says, "For only those who know and love the living God with all their heart, being all their understanding, their mind and intellect and soul, personal commitment, know what idols are." Um, so if if you're in if you're learning scripture, if you're in a relationship with God, you will learn what idols are, um, and God will help reveal those to you and, and help teach you how to respond to them as well. Very true. And it's something that you should probably take time to really learn mm-hmm. and to ask God to kind of search you and show you what your idols are. And, and if you have questions about it, pray about it. Yeah. Or and ask it, or ask people in the church that yeah, have not been pastor, excommunicated. Man. Yeah. <laughs> go, go to your pastor. So many times people have issues and it's like, Go to your pastor, man. Go to your community group leader. Mm-hmm. Start talking through that stuff. But you know what? This is a great talk, but I got music now. All right. I prolonged it another minute, but we're, we're definitely up. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Next we, time, guys. Chapter 14. Yep. Yep.